Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a gutless company guy. What can I tell you? <laughs> gutless I am. Completely gutless. I don't want to say gutless. Oh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> what act you're going back and forth? You got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U, it ends with an A, has a meal initial there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads fight over who goes where in the draft. We are here via our Icapro powered DeLorean where there isn't even a draft through the doors. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former cultaholic heavyweight champion, now residing in mid-March 1994, Tom Campbell. And I am joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of cultaholic, also residing in mid-1990s purgatory. And he doesn't need a pencil. He's the head pen. He gets it right every time. His name is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. Hello, hello. Happy Friday, Mon Cherie. Well, Saturday, as people are hearing this, the Agapa Power DeLorean does weird things to your head. It sure does. And uh, much like a real Agapro, it is undesirable. <laughs> yeah. Much like a real Agapro, uh, we're shoved in a cupboard in Bret Hart's house. <laughs> trying to give it away. He can't give it away. You can't even give that stuff away. How's your week been, Justin? Uh, my week has been fine. It's been mostly uneventful, which is how I like it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed AEW on Wednesday night. How about yourself? Uh, I loved. I haven't seen enough of AEW, but I loved NXT again this week. I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Now that we're getting into a rhythm where these these guys are actually booking shows, it's quite exciting. I feel like we're on the precipice of getting back into the the rhythm of wrestling because we've got two we've got two more shows of admin to get through in 2019. That being the draft, which is basically wrestling admin. Once we get that out of the way, then we can sort of get back into the rigors of wrestling. But I enjoyed NXT this week. I think that the ratings have settled down for it as well, which I think is all important. But if you see a match from NXT this week, make it either Leo Rush versus Drew Gulak or Kushida versus Volta. They were heavy, heavy goodness. I was going to say the most notable thing from the past week has to be Aaron Andrews on SmackDown last Friday interviewing the New Day and being... 100% less robotic than every other interview of the last 15 years. Very lively character. Yeah, she's uh, done NFL for years on Fox. She's done college football before. She co-hosts Dancing with the Stars here in the U.S. She's a very, very busy woman if you just consider her schedule. But she just she's a natural interviewer. She's not, she's not you know, a cyborg. 
it's always funny when somebody comes in that is that is so naturally gifted in a role like that, and it just mm-hmm. makes all the other announcers like it just puts them in the shade immediately. I just have to ask: Is Strictly Come Dancing still on in your land? It is indeed. Yes, uh, we have a, a Geordie, somebody from from the northeast, competing this year in the form of comedian Chris Ramsey. So that's a big. We had Carlton from Fresh Prince on it recently. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I think it was. was. He in it, or was that the American one he was in? I think he was in the American uh, one, wasn't he? Uh, quite possibly, because because our version's still on after all these years. I think he might. Actually, be. Yeah, yours is called Dancing with the Stars, isn't it? Yes, I watched it in the early days when Stacy Keebler was on because well, Stacy Keebler was on. I'd have watched it if Stacy Keebler was on. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> Jesus, that woman got leg for days, and she's a very. She knows good how to use him. <laughs> yeah, she yeah she almost won. I think she lost. Uh, I can't remember some boy band guy. Is that a legit? I can't remember, or is that a sarcastic? I don't know. From a, from a Backstreet Boy guy of some kind. I don't know if it was a Backstreet Boy. I mean, I I want to say Nicholas Shea, but I know that's not right. Well, okay, whichever boy band it was, um, it was them. But no, it's still very much a part of Saturday nights over here. Uh, it's uh, that and the X Factor sort of in. Around about this time of year is when all that kicks off, just in time for Christmas. X Factor, right. is a, I don't know. I think it's, I think even American Idol threw the towel in, pretty much. <laughs> when like a UK Idol or something in your land? We had, well, I think closest we had to that was Britain's Got Talent. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with you. Uh, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. I'm not. I was in the program. The wi- hey, mate, mate. To be honest with you, this says everything. The winner, the I think on at least three occasions, the winners of Britain's Got Talent have been dogs. <laughs> not even like not insulting, like actual dogs. The most talented thing in the plot on the on the British Isles is a dog. I'm not going to argue that dogs can be very talented. It's true. It's the most talented thing in Britain is a dog. Not even a human. It's a dog. Uh, so here we are. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome to it. This is where Justin Henry and myself chronologically critique, thank you OSW Review, the entirety of Monday Night Raw from its very inception in 1993 through the lean years of the mid-90s, and then we knock on the door of the Attitude Era around late 97. But, oh, we are many, many moons away from that. We are currently basking in the glory that is pre-new generation, pre-the lean years, WWF Raw. Justin, when and where are we this week? Well, it is the week after WrestleMania 10. This was aired on March 28, 1994, recorded one week earlier in Poughkeepsie at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, which is a great building for Monday Night Raw in terms of the smaller venues. But we're starting to get to the point where Raw feels more and more like status quo tv yeah they just it just it feels doesn't feel like anything major really happens on it it just keeps the line mm. being pulled along yeah the best match on the show was the one that went two minutes and we'll get to that later uh so you want a few noteworthy uh notes from the wrestling observer from this week uh go right ahead so march 28th 1994 um brian pillman is working without a contract in WCW at this point. Now, do you remember uh, Brian Pillman's work from this time, Justin? Uh, yeah, it, it was just post-Hollywood Blondes, but before his singles run as California Brian Pillman. Do, so were you watching like a... at this point as well when he was... Well, you wouldn't have, would you have known that he was without a contract? No, I was 10 years old. I was not a privy to those sort of things. Were you a fan? 
Yeah, I was a fan of WCW. I just I had my periods where I, I just wouldn't watch that tune and I and I go, who the hell are the Colossal Kongs and stuff like that? But I mean, I, I mean, I knew who Flair was. I knew who, obviously, but I'm not talking like I knew I knew what was going on. I knew the nasty boys were there. I, I knew that sort of stuff. I was I was a privy, but when it came to contracts, I didn't know. What well, was what? well uh, Dave Meltzer uh, gives us the, the uh, skinny on this one. He says, Brian Pillman's contract expired in WCW without sides reaching an agreement for renewal. And Pillman was originally pulled from all shows and publicity was given uh, word for him to, to remove him from future pub. Although it appears right now he'll remain and finish out what was already booked for him at the 17th of April pay-per-view show. So it looks like he's sticking around without a contract for the time being. Yeah, yeah because... Me- in Brian Pillman's case, that always works out well. It really, really does. Uh, Killer Kowalski has begun writing a weekly pro wrestling column in the Boston Herald. This is basically the 94 equivalent of starting a podcast uh, for Killer Kowalski. <laughs> Killer Kowalski was, was one of the scariest wrestlers of all time, and yet he was a vegetarian. <laughs> Which meant at least that he could beat, he's going to beat you, but he wasn't going to eat you. Exactly. So there, there was a... Were you aware of the uh, the little the scandal uh, that potentially rocked WrestleMania ten thanks to the New York Daily? Would this be the one where they overheard what was going on with uh, a certain somebody blabbing about the show? That certainly is uh, from the Observer. The New York Daily News gossip columnist, columnist reported finishes for WrestleMania the day of the show from what was overheard during a conversation with Lane. Polo, Luger, Crush, and Bret Hart at a New York steakhouse. It was clear somebody did overhear the conversation, but misinterpreted it as it was reported that was that Luger would win, and then Mr. Perfect would screw him out of the title in the match with Hart. Uh, when it, that isn't exactly how it went. Whether the uh, whether they changed the booking on the fly on the on the recount of this, who knows? Yeah, the uh, long prevailing um, ur- urban legend was that a. Uh... That Luger, Alexa was supposed to win the belt and then beat Brett and come out as champion, but the, but because he blabbed it publicly at a bar the night before, Vince changed his mind, which is that's slightly BS. The one thing that maybe thinks there was something to this, or may make you think at the time there was something to this, was the Lex Luger photos that leaked of him with the WWF Championship. Well, if you go back, what they did was. I think it's actually it's actually a hidden gem now on the network if you want to look it up. It was at a TV taping in February. They did a bit where Cornette came out with the belt, you know, and, 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 and he was bad-mouthing Luger. And Luger came out and just grabbed the belt from him. And, and, and you know, basically, basically dared Cornette to you know, take it back from him. Like, well, I'm holding the belt now. Why don't you try to grab it back? Cornette wouldn't because he's scared of Luger. And then Vince on commentary goes, well, how about we do it in an introduction? If Lex Luger wins the world title, you know, just just to see what it would be like. So they had to bring out just, ladies and gentlemen, the new world champion Lex Luger. He played a song. He came out with the belt, and, and they filmed that just for the purpose of if he won at WrestleMania, you know, the, this is what would air on TV. You know, him walking out with the belt. They would air air, air minus the cornet part, and uh, that was just there just to screw with the sheets, basically. Like, oh, Lex must be winning then. Is it funny how even at this point where there was so where access compared to now was so few and far between that they even had ways to screw with the dirt sheets? Well, yeah, it was just it was, it was a bit of a red herring. I do like a red herring. 
I do like a red herring. And also, get ready for Duke the Dumpster Drossy, Justin, because Rocco Gibraltar has been spotted as doing a garbage man gimmick in, in w, at WWF house shows. Uh, looks like he's going to be heading in as a regular performer. Thank God I love Duke. Oh, we're so close now. Well, are you, were you familiar with his work as Rocco Gibraltar? I was not. I have no idea what Rocco Gibraltar even was. <laughs> although, he, although he is so talkative on Facebook... If somebody were to ask him about that, I'll bet he'd talk about it. Let's try and get him on to talk about it. Once once we get the debut of Duke Drosy, we are going to endeavour to get the garbage man on this very podcast. I feel like that needs to happen. He's quite the storyteller, Mr. Drosy. I'm a big fan of his work. I'm excited to, uh, to, to hopefully <laughs> chat with him. That would be good fun. I just pulled the Observer up here also, and I, I thought it was interesting. It says, Pat Patterson, Terry Garvin, and Bruce Pritchard were at Killer Kowalski show. On March 12th, to scout Ron Reese. Oh. Who, who went on to become the Yeti, as Tony Schiavone would say. The Yeti! Getting scouted this early on. How exciting. And sadly, he was not picked up, even though he was about seven foot three and could have been something in the business. See, he's a shoe in as a Vince guy, you'd have thought, wouldn't you? Oh, you would have absolutely thought that. In, 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 in fact, it's kind of funny because. I might be mixing timelines up here, but apparently later that year, Paul White, a.k.a. the Giant, a.k.a. the Big Show, was just breaking into the business, and he reached out to, I think, Pat Patterson or somebody in WWE, and Vince would have taken one look at him and been like, hell yeah, sign him, obviously. Not just for his size, but for his agility at his size. But apparently he was brushed off because they thought he was Ron Reese. Like, we scouted you, you're not that good. Oh, so, God. So Hogan, so Hogan saw him because at some charity basketball game and signed, and signed him to a WCW. And they realized, oh, we just passed up on the Giants. Oh, jeez. And when they would eventually get in, they'd be like, wow, they taught you nothing, did they? Well, Giant was a lot better than Ron Reese. <laughs> wow. And that is saying something. Dude, watch Paul White in like 96. He's throwing drop kicks. He's coming off the middle rope. He yeah. was much more impressive He's than... He's got stuff, but they were, I was listening to, um, Jim, to Grilling JR... On, uh, on from with with Conrad and Jim, and Jim was saying that when he came in, it was the shocking realization that this guy doesn't know how to work. Like he can do the moves, he ain't got a clue how to work. Well, he, I, I think it's possible you know work WWE style because Giant. I mean, Giant was fine as the Giant. He just he may have needed the right opponent to look good, but I, th I thought he was fine. Mm. Yeah, I, I liked him throwing dropkicks. I was a big fan of Paul White in the sort of mid-90s. He had a great look. Well, I'll say this. A lot of fans are more familiar with him as Big Show. You know, when he gained a little bit of weight and, and lost a little bit of his mobility and his zip, which under understandable given his uh, acromegaly condition. Watch him when he's a giant doing the diving choke slam when he goes to the mat with you. It's the coolest looking simple move ever. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm, in, I'm very intrigued. <laughs> He doesn't just throw you down. Like he dives to the mat with you as if he's trying to drive you through it like a stake. He takes you it down is... as he goes. Yeah, like like, like like he just lays out and just slams you as hard as he possibly can. Uh... Adds a little more oomph to it. And he and he had the mobility and agility to, to actually do that regularly. Like he, he he was so cool compared to like everybody else there, especially in the in the friggin' dungeon of doom. Like he was a can't miss. He like he clearly was a can't miss. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. There, there's some homework for you as well to watch 
uh, a bit of old school giant from your old buddies here at the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. I'm getting all fired up for the giant now, Jesus. Oh, we've got years to go, mate. We've got years to go. So, if you wouldn't mind, tell us where and when we are this week for the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Well, I already did, but I'll do it again. Everyone's oh, yeah, you 10 minutes ago. I, I forgot you already did, didn't you? Sorry, my apologies. Uh, but do it again anyway, just to amuse me. Yes, it's March 20th, 1994. Aired, it was taped one week earlier in Poughkeepsie, New York at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. And we start out with a little bit of a, a dark bit here, where before the commentators even come out, Ted DiBiase is standing front row ringside, and he pays off three obvious plants to get up and leave. So he, so he can have three seats all to himself. He could sit in the middle and have a buffer on each side because he feels like watching the matches and he wants to prove that everybody has a price for the million dollar man. I love how he bought three seats as well. Because yes, exactly, and cause you can stretch properly then if you've got three. I like the idea of them not thinking that segment through, and maybe him buying one and then having to squeeze in between two people. I like the middle-aged woman in the Bret Hart T-shirt who just who, who didn't appear to be a woman who would buy a Bret Hart T-shirt. No. Do we know their identity? I'm thinking like makeup artist or something, maybe just some backstage worker uh, in some capacity, because obviously they're not going to pay actual fans to leave during the taping uh, i can't imagine that they would unless yeah they're, they're, i mean they're obviously plants i just wonder whether they would have been a been any uh a particular level of uh hmm. of backstage yeah possibly makeup people possibly sort of somebody's wife maybe wives of uh, some of the wrestlers perhaps <laughs> but it was a fun Somewhere... segment i like this it was a nice way of reminding us that ted dibiase was a thing if only if only he was still a wrestler if only so on commentary, we have Vince McMahon. He's joined by J- Mr. James E. Cornette. And what I love is that when the when the cameras are on them, Vince is still raspy because this is tape that they had WrestleMania. But when you're doing the live commentary, his voice is, is magically perfect all of a sudden. This is always the problem when you have a bad voice and you've got <laughs> pre-recorded bits to do. It's like, it's just it, the the the, uh, the 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 difference between them is always quite jarring. Yes, within a week, he'd, he'd drowned himself in some tea and honey. And, and by March 28th, he was pristine. But the night of when he's doing the wraparound segments, oh, Vince McMahon, why oh, the WrestleMania great? Oh, like he's got Kane's old neck kazoo. I'll let you in on a fun little <laughs> trivia fact about radio, which which is connected to this, is that where I used to work, we used to pre-record the, the what they call the top of hour where you'd say, like, on FM, online, on your mobile, and on digital radio, and then the name of the radio station. So you pre-record that. You pre-record a different, couple of different versions just to keep it fresh. And uh, But there was one occasion where I came in quite late and I'd lost my voice. So you hear this perfect top of hour where I'm there going, <laughs> off air now, on FM, online, up your jumper, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. Right, four o'clock, here's your latest. <laughs> <laughs> he suffered a hernia mid-sentence. Just something, somehow mid-sentence. So I just made the decision to go, I'm going to re-record all these for today. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds too weird. I'd rather the whole show be crap than opposed to like all but yeah. these top of hours. A certain level of consistency throughout. Exactly. A consistent bit of crap. <laughs> Which is what many have called me since I joined Cultaholic. <laughs> it's like that one role we did where Sean was on commentary. And the wraparound, he was fine. But on live commentary, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> boy, boy, Booker looks great, doesn't he? Uh, uh. 
sound like Krusty the Clown. I hate that inconsistency. Yeah, that shot. Sean woke up five minutes before showtime. Oh, that's today. Uh. They just shoved him out of a moving car to get into the studio. <laughs> staggers. Staggers in like, like oh, Jason Voorhees being shot at. <laughs> that's a great image. John, Sean Michaels as Jason Voorhees being shot at by someone who is uh, clearly ineffective at killing Jason. There you go, John. First job of the day. Love you, John. Photoshop John Eiley at John Eiley on Twitter. I think he's going to start th- demanding that we plug him each time. At John Eiley on Twitter. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. <laughs> sexy, 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 sexy. Oh, the boy, looks boy, 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 boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, the Click's final chapter. <laughs> so Lex Luger versus Rick Martel, as advertised last week. It's going to open up the show here. And this, I believe this is the birth of custom lighting sequences for the wrestlers. Because Luger yeah, has the stars it, going around the arena here. I liked it. It felt new. felt fresh. It felt like new music for Lex as well. It was when he had at Mania, actually. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, you're right. It was, actually. I, I, it yeah. was... Uh, I'm still thinking he, he had the do 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 Yes, this is the uh, half-assed version of the eventual Allied Powers theme, which was a great theme song, actually. Oh, my God. What an underrated theme the Allied Powers theme was. <laughs> it was both badass and, like, heroic at the same time. This is basically... What they did was, rightly so, is they, they mixed Bulldog's uh, God Save the Queen... Or oh, Rule Britannia, sorry. They mix Rule Britannia with these bits from Lex's song. So really what we've got with Lex Luger's music is just like the bridge of a song over and over again. Yeah, it's um, it's okay, but I mean, it's not bad. It's actually on the uh, Uncaged collection now. But it's just like, you know, the kind of fades out, comes back in. It's, it's like a, it is like an incomplete idea. <laughs> Yeah, there's it's 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 halfway there. Living on a prayer, it's not quite the full the full article. <laughs> living on a prayer, that was Brett's theme, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, it's Lex versus Martel. Martel, of course, is getting in shape for the Big Ten Man Tag next week, which hopefully takes place as scheduled. I'm hoping it's in the bag this week. <clears throat> I'm sick of it not being in the bag. This match is so important that we keep showing DiBiase counting his money behind Vince and Cornette. Yeah, and every time they cut, like, I think the first time they cut to the to the announcers, I think Cornette, who's like Cornette, is very much like say a tell rather than show because the camera cuts there and he went, "Well, the cameras are on us now." <laughs> I was like, don't say that, just accept that. <laughs> this is very clearly live show. <laughs> well, the cameras are on now on us. Yeah, we know, mate. And it's looking at Ted DiBiase. He was counting his money. Hey, Ted. How good form, though, to just to bring it back to the future by going back to the past. How on form was Jim Cornette for NWA Power? Oh, he was fantastic. He, he was... was in his element. I blooming loved him on mm-hmm. that. I love the whole thing, actually. Other than his hair going gray, Cornette has not aged in like 40 years. Did you enjoy NWA Power? I absolutely did. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? It's so good. It, it it just feels so authentic and at the same time so fresh. 
It really does. It's I just I, the whole thing, little little things that uh, it sounds really daft that I never twigged initially until somebody said it on Twitter. They went, "No one's got music." I was like, "Oh, yeah." It's it's a uh, it's different from what the beaten path is today. Yeah, it's the same for AEW to a certain extent. How it's a little different than how WWE does things, but I think that's what stands out the most is that we've gone so long without a true competitor for WWE. Like, whatever TNA's peak was, it was like 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. It's been 10 years since anything has even kind of pushed WWE on, an, on a national stage. And, and now in the years since, we have more streaming options, more digital options. And now it's just like WWE is, is so oversaturated from itself, from just the same formula, the same format for everything. That seeing something different is jarring and exciting. This really felt like something off a very different menu. This is like, you know, this is like going to the takeaway every night. Instead of going to takeaway every night, like mm. somebody's brought you like a, a, a falafel. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Oh no, this is wild. This is tasty. It's nice. Yeah, it's just, it's just when you have TV dinners every night, something else feels a bit more exotic, even if it is like a 35 year old idea. <laughs> Even if it is Jim Cornette in a sandwich. John! I want a Cornette sandwich. Cornette sandwich, please. Caught with a sandwich filled with Cornette beef. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I believe this is the first time... <laughs> the oh, first time Vince... kill me. I really do. Sorry. <laughs> that was very... It was very Pachidi-esque. I think he possessed you for a moment. <laughs> well, he's away, so I think every so often his spirit inhabits my body. <laughs> you need to hire an exorcist. I just very so often find the urge to go, here are ten wrestlers that you didn't know had legs. Join us. And then it's, I'm all right again. Instead of Pazuzu, it's Pachiti. Hey! <laughs> Anywho, I, think this is, I believe this is the first match where Vince ever says the word mesomorph. Oh, is it? Because ah. then, because then Cornette tries to turn it and like a, I don't care what his religion is. It's a, which is a funny bit. Okay, I like that. I like that. I never spotted that, but that's cool. Uh, I'm saying, I'm saying it's an exciting bit. I'm just saying it happened. No, no, but I like, but that's a word that he, he likes to pull out. It's nice. To, I like hearing the origins of certain words. That's why I'm always a big fan of the first ever. Welcome everyone. Like I like the origins of. <laughs> Of key phrases. The first time we heard Slobberdocker was on Monday Night Raw. I was like, yeah, I love that. I like it when we hear. The, God the, bless JR. Oh, God love him. God love JR. He's been in good form on AEW, I thought. I think Shivani brings the best out of everybody. Yeah. Shivani doesn't. You talk about people who haven't aged today. Shivani on the mic. Like, you might. we might as well be in the 90s. Shivani, tremendous announcer. Even better podcaster. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his work. And the crowd are a big fan of this match. Like, they're really up for this, aren't they? Yeah, the heat machine is just so excited. <laughs> is this all piped in, then? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I see some fans are excited because they've been... Uh, they've bought in on Luger because he, cause he's, he's pushed as a top guy. But it, it really is very basic. There's a lot of headlocks in this match. And a lot of chin locks, too. Because again. They go 12 minutes, which is about three years for a Luger match. There was a great bit there where Luger had a headlock on Martel, and Martel steps over the top rope as though he's Kane in order to get out of it. That was a nice little bit. I like the idea of different ways to break a headlock. 
we're informed here that Martel is an all-time great, so he's just like savage. Except Martel gets to wrestle more than once oh, a month. You'd be gutted, wouldn't you? If like, well, hang on, if he's an all-time great, why is he in a prelim match like with Luger? <laughs> why aren't I in a match? At this point, all-time great is just a kiss of death. It is, isn't it? And it shouldn't be. It should be. You should be allowed to be an all-time great and be an active performer <laughs> all the time. Savage. <laughs> Oh yeah, poor, poor Savage who doesn't appear on this show at all, and we're not going to see him wrestle anymore on this show, sadly. Jim Cornette refers to uh, oxygen as the athlete's gasoline. Well, it is. If you run out, then you you, you stop moving. I just well, never, I've never heard it called that before, and I really liked it as a as a, a spoonerism. Big fan of the athlete's gasoline. <laughs> Well, I've heard about gas for athletes, but it's not not usually oxygen. <laughs> the reason why Vince may be sitting in a courtroom in a few months. Oh, topical. Yeah, but Vince won't bring that up as a as a news topic on the show. Oh, but he's always so topical. And talking of uh, talking of standing up, I was stood up in court today. Don't know whether you saw this. <laughs> what a close on. How about that indictment, huh? <laughs> We're still building up the feud between Luger and Mr. Perfect coming off of WrestleMania, with Cornette vehemently defending Perfect's officiating in that match. Boy, I, I can't wait to see Luger versus Perfect. How about you? I am buzzing. <laughs> I know that the Perfect will do his best. <laughs> yeah. uh, then they're not at WrestleMania 9 anymore, so there is some hope. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some tremendous matches between the two when they finally come up. Vincent Cornet have some funny interplay over the phrase "the job." Cornet says he could do the job. Vince like, I'm sure you could do the job. Oh, see what oh. he did there. It's like one of those things when you're like watching like a Pixar movie with a kid, and the kid's laughing at like, like all the easy jokes, but he throws something inside in there for the adults who are watching also, and the adult kind of goes hmm 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 because they get it, but the kid doesn't get it. Like that would have gone over my head when I was 10 years old, but watching it now, I go, oh, okay. I'm with you now. Not Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. So this match is just a headlock and shinlock palooza. It's not terrible, but there's a lot of rest holds. It's quite rest holdy, but it's, yeah, it's not bad. Cornette gets a very interesting phrase when she says, public opinion doesn't win your wrestling matches. Boy, is that true. Mm, but it does get you booked. Ask Kofi Kingston how that works. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, poor Kofi. He gets replaced by Keen Velasquez, just like that. Velasquez to... Uh, oh, actually, by the time we by the time this has gone up, we've had the press conference. I'm fairly sure that we have guaranteed Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar for, for Crown, Jewel. Crown Jewel. And Braun Sherman versus Tyson Fury. Oh, I'm reckoning... Um, I reckon Strowman beats. I reckon Fury beats Strowman, and I reckon they're going to put the belt on Velasquez. What are they doing? <laughs> I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying it might happen. I mean, Kane's not terrible in the ring, but what are they doing? It's a bit like when you see an 18 wheeler come off the road and come flying at you. It's going to hit you. I'm not saying I want it to, but I just looked like it's going to happen. <laughs> It's just, this Fox deal is gonna be so interesting the longer it plays out. God, Do you, are they gonna are they gonna go with it all the way? Like, like surely every major TV company gets bored of wrestling at some point. Well, how long are they gonna maintain that rating? 
of, of just under four million viewers a week. That it's was because gonna... The Rock was going to be on and several other major stars. I reckon it'll probably plateau. I think they'll lose another million and a half, and I think it'll plateau initially. I can't see it dropping less than less than two million. Here's something to consider: they hyped the hell out of that show with The Rock, with Austin, who didn't show up because whatever. Brian Alvarez had a great rant on that. They hyped Taker, they hyped Hogan, they hyped Sting, they hyped all these big stars, who a lot of whom didn't show up because screw you, pal. <laughs> and and despite having like like every Fox outlet, pro football, college football, baseball, hyping the show up for weeks before it came on, they did about 3.9 million viewers. The average Raw in 2014 did 4.1 million viewers. The yeah. average Raw. <laughs> That's a re- yeah, like real bare bones episode of Raw. The stuff that we're going to be talking about in a couple of years' time. <laughs> yeah, like Adam Rose versus Fandango outdid this show. Oh God! <laughs> not not to disrespect Adam Rose or Fandango, they're both underrated performers. But anywho, yeah, well, uh, well, well, we're, we've certainly got good seats and plenty of popcorn to watch this play out. Yeah, we're watching the apocalypse. I think. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, we will. We oh no, there's no point plugging it here because by the time you hear this, it has gone out. So myself and Sam Driver watched the apocalypse live on the Cultaholic YouTube channel. You can watch our reactions back right now. <laughs> we get a spot in this match where Lex Luger slips and falls on a go behind. Hey, I've, I've never seen that before in any match ever. He tries to oh, jump behind Martel. And he lands right on his hip. Oh, Luger. <laughs> Every week I find myself for some reason going, oh, Luger. Luger is the most boring wrestler that never disappoints. <laughs> Do you know what? He is the gift that you hate to receive, but you always get it. <laughs> and and yet somehow it amuses you. He is the, he is the anti-Belinda that always gets you socks. <laughs> I got you socks? Thanks, Belinda. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what did I give you for Christmas? I don't know. These socks are too tight, Billy. <laughs> and the doors are locked. <laughs> now that Luger, I can get behind. And I can get behind. I'd still fall on my hip, but I could get behind. <laughs> and I can get behind any Luger who does the torture rack. Yeah, that's true. It suits him that move. Yeah, he's finally using it in WWE. He beats Martel with it. Yeah. And then we get the bizarre Made in the USA logo on the screen after the match. Oh, yeah, that was odd. How they, But I, it did remind me of more Halcyon days where all the wrestlers had their own logo. Yeah, but it just seems weird to kind of throw it on after the match and not like, trying something new here. Yeah, this is very. There's a couple of things they try in this show that are very new, that are quite experimental, that I'm intrigued to talk through. Yes, they're blasting off into the next decade with new ideas. Blasting off. We got Stan Lane running that WrestleMania again because because the replay is airing right after right after, right after this episode of Raw at 10 p.m. So, kids on a school night staying up till 1 a.m. to watch WrestleMania. They run this twice, which makes me chuckle. Yeah. Yes, they do. Stan Lane's uh, non-committal voiceover. Lex Luger got screwed. Greatest ladder match ever. I wish I was still teaming with Bobby. It's true. It's so true. Hell, I wish he was still teaming with Bobby. 
the Midnight Express 1994 feuding where like the Steiners and the Smoking Guns would have ruled. Oh, wouldn't it just? It'd have been incredible. Of course, Vince wouldn't have got him. All right, which one's Bobby? Which one's Stan? Vince didn't make them, so he wasn't going to get it. Of course. We cut to Owen Hart doing dumbbell flies. Yeah, this didn't this didn't suit Owen at all. He's in a makeshift gym, which is in front of a stairwell. <laughs> they have just picked. They have just sort of like perched up some dumbbells there, haven't they? It's like the back caves under renovations. So you had to move all the stuff like like a small room. Well, well, while uh, Alfred and them, or, or the contractors that Alfred hired, finish everything up. So Owen puts the weights down and announces, "After beating Brett, I'm ready to beat anybody." All right then. Well, they it's and I just I just didn't think this was Owen's finest hour. I thought that it was. Uh... He's done better promos than this, and and the whole weightlifting thing didn't didn't suit him. Yeah, because Owen's not like a a power lifter or anything of that sort. He's just a he's a wily technician who, even though he is in good shape, he's not he's not like Luger or anything. He's not. It's like a precursor to the body Donna's, really. A little bit. Didn't so, work though. So we get the ad for next week. Ten superstar wrestlers. All right, slow down. <laughs> let's let's break this down to the to the parts of the segment of uh, the the parts of that sentence that are correct. Right, ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they are wrestlers. They are they are wrestlers. Oh, you know what? I stand corrected because because all of them are superstars since they're not actually wrestlers. Okay, so, so what the, are they? So the wrestlers bit is is up for debate. There's definitely ten though. So which one are they? Are they, are they wrestlers or are they superstars? I would have... Yeah, that's it. Because Vince at this point has, said, has called them both. They're, they're, they're one or the other, Vince. It's like saying 10 insect mammals. <laughs> well, what are they? 10 invertebrate earthworms. We need to tie Dillinger for a ruling here. <laughs> as he but hey, it's his it, fingers. this match is in the bag, though, regardless of how many, because there's going to be 10 men in the ring for a 10-man tag. Yes, they filmed it and everything. It exists. I'm excited. I am excited. I have never seen this match. I am excited. Well, it's a match. Let's put it that way. I like a 10-man tag. So It's a, one of my favorite types of matches. It's a weird guilty pleasure, but I like a 10-man tag. It's a, I recall it being an okay match, but hey, in one week we'll know for sure. Exactly. Sorry, I was just responding to a message there. I'm good no, now. That's absolutely fine. Was it from one so, of the people in the 10-man tag? Uh, No, it's a relative. Were they in the 10-man tag? Yes, uh, I'm cousins with Fatu. Oh, congratulations, mate. I'm one of many Anawais. <laughs> I knew it. I always knew it. There's 714 of us. You should be getting uh, the rub from The Rock and a push in a major promotion soon, then. Well, I do everything for The Rock. <laughs> I did it for the people. <laughs> I did it for dead people. Oh, shut up, you thong wearing fatty. <laughs> Do your thing where you put your bum in someone's face. No, I'm serious now. <laughs> Damn, mate, just dance. But a quick side note how awesome was Rock on, on Friday night? And how much oh. did he just out, out, did he outclass everybody on the show? He just, that's, it's both a blessing and a curse to see The Rock, where it's just everybody, we just live in his shadow. 
Like, everybody lives in the silhouette of the rock. Like, there's just nobody in his class. Nobody whatsoever. No, there's, and it's, it's, it's both wonderful that he exists and also uh, a damning indictment of wrestling today where nobody is on that level. Yeah, no, like, he says, I'm happy to see him, but goddamn, once he's gone, it's like, all right, let's get the rest of the show over with. Yeah, that's it. So Owen Hart versus Mike Freeman. Owen says he could beat anybody, and Mike Freeman is technically anybody. Wow. Mike Freeman <laughs> isn't just anybody. Mike Freeman is a man with a haircut, with a capital H. Love this boy. And this is a mullet right here. This is something special. This is, this is a 1993 baseball relief pitcher mullet. <laughs> I love it. If, have you ever heard the name Yaramir Yager? Uh, I don't believe I have. No, I'm going to attempt to uh, to spell it. I'll, I'll, I'll spell it for you. Just Google the following: J A R O. Yeah. M I R. Yeah. Space. Yeah. J A G R. Got it. Okay. And then, and and, I'll, and also Google mullet. You want to, if you want to put the uh, mullet? You know what? Like. I'm already excited because it's thrown up. Jeremy Jager mullet, Jeremy Jager mustache, Jeremy Jager muscles, and Jeremy Jager muffins. <laughs> Jeremy Jigger, is that what you said? Yeah. It's Yaramir Jager. Jeremy Jager. <laughs> Same thing, mate. So, right, I've got it here. That wow, that is a mullet with its own postcode. They used to call him Uncle Jesse after a full house. Oh my god, that is that that is a mullet that deserves it's it, that does. I hope that when he retired from hockey, ice hockey, he also mm-hmm. he didn't just retire his jersey; he retired his mullet. Well, he got rid of the mullet eventually, but he played almost thirty years in the NHL. Literally, oh. like he he had a long career. He was. He started in like 1990, and he retired maybe about 2015, 2016, maybe even later than that. You couldn't kill Yaramir Yager. God. He was like a vampire. You'd have no, you'd have no heat leaving your head at all with that mm-hmm. kind of mullet. He was one of the all-time greats. A thing of beauty. Anyway, Mike Freeman has a very Yaramir Yager-esque mullet. Not quite on on Yager's level because Yager's like the Yager's mullet is like the rock of mullets. Where no one's on his level, but Freeman is certainly—he's a contender. So uh, Vince goes on this rant about figure skater Surya Bonalay, which went over my head in the moment. I had to Google this. I had to figure out how to spell Surya Bonalay, but I got there. Just some skater who refused to stand on the medal stand after she lost and got the <laughs> silver. Yeah, she got upset because she only won silver. Yeah, it's apparently there was a bit of an issue where she felt she was aced out by the home crowd going for the competitor, and she wasn't happy at the moment and got booed. But anyway, Owen's just grappling with the jobber while Vincent Cornette turn around and confer with DiBiase, who has DiBiase's shoulder cam. <laughs> so he would have presumably bo- bought another seat, the one he, who's sitting behind him. Or he has a parrot on his shoulder. A, car- a, a power that can operate a camera. Well, I mean, he is rich. If anyone, can, 
if anyone can afford a, a, a parrot with a uh, a, a parrot who's, who's equipped with a camera, it is the Million Dollar Man. Owen, meanwhile, is just smacking Mike Freeman around. Freeman is bumping off singular moves. Like, one punch, he goes down. One smack, he goes down. One chop, he goes down. Like, it, it, it doesn't take... The, it's not a sustained effort required to put him down. He's just bumping off of every single move. Owen's giving him these rage-filled hair drags. Freeman is just... Like, other than, like, the small little comeback attempt at the end, Owen just beats the crab down for, like, five minutes. He d- this is all This is all Owen. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point. They're just trying to remind you that Owen, even though he was a mid-card scum a year ago, but he's a... He's a tour de force now. He gets a spinning Judas effect at one point. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm glad you spotted that too. Owen invented that. Uh, Vince keeps building to the Brett Owen rematch. I'm totally there. He ends up finishing with the sharpshooter. Keeps on a little bit long just to show his aggression. I like the, the anger from commentary that he dares to do a sharpshooter. Yes, how how dare he steal Ricky Choshu's move? <laughs> I love the entire Owen Hart package at this moment in time. He is every inch the anti-Brett because he's got almost like even the colors are reversed, like predominantly <laughs> predominantly pink rather than black. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of handing the glasses to somebody, he snaps them. It's just mm-hmm. the, he's just the anti-Brett, and it's perfect. No sportsmanship at all. Yep. Just, just no, no sense of, of good about him at all. I think he's great. I think he's brilliant. Brett is outward calm. Owen is outward angst. Owen's blonde. Brett has dark hair. Exactly. In, in every sense, he's like mirror Brett. Brett from the mirror world. It is the ideal feud, and they work so well together. Two of the, two of the best technicians in the world at this point. They are just, and, I, just I, and I and I really want them to do well touring as a, a rivalry. I really do. Sad part is uh, they didn't quite do the numbers they were hoping those two. One, which is more of an indictment of the company at that point than what they were doing. I'm happy to blame the company for Owen and Brett not working. Mm-hmm. I think mean, even the company will blame the company deep down. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not outwardly. It's not not our fault. We're the Fed, brother. Anyway, we're the Fed, brother. <laughs> I just I don't know what to say there. So I does, that Vince, does Vince does Hogan work for them again? We're the Fed, brother. Don't brother me, brother. <laughs> I'm not your brother, brother. I'm not your bro. Hey Riddle, I'm not your bro. I'm not your bro, buddy. I'm not your buddy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your guy, bro. I'm not your guy. I was hoping it would go into that, but it didn't. When when Goldberg and Matt Riddle met backstage. That's yeah, a shame. It's... I know. I wanted that to be the thing. <laughs> Never mind. Like, like how Matt Riddle shoots his own angles. He's good at it. <laughs> he just cracks up, doesn't he? Him and Bailey are the same. They just, they just do their own stuff. They just go, "Hey, I want to match with them. I'm just going to start challenging them." <laughs> it's not the creative we're doing, once. though, lads. <laughs> Don't matter. <laughs> I met Riddle once. I was, I was in his match for 45 minutes. He's the same laid-back guy for all forty-five minutes. Oh, how come you ca- how come you found yourself in his uh, in his situation? He was a CCW's best of the best last year, and he was uh, doing pictures and autographs and all that stuff for like a while. I, I, I was just kind of like hanging in the area where he was, like near his uh, gimmick table, watching the matches from a distance. 
And I just couldn't help but notice just how he's perpetually Matt Riddle the entire time. I love it because it just, that, that gives the vibe that he is just, he is how he is in real life. And a photo somebody has on Instagram somewhere of her and him that I snap personally because uh, she asked me to. So ah. he, 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 he's flashing, you know, the hands stay there with a big smile. Hey, that's cool, man. He's just, yeah, yeah, it's great that you came out. And he's all like, just super happy to be there. He's like if, he's like if Jason Muse could kick your ass easily. Oh, I love that. <laughs> just the entire time. Absolutely love that so much. I, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, I'm glad that he is as he appears off screen as he is on. And speaking of people who are happy to be here, we show the Burt Reynolds video again. Oh yeah! Now this is money. They need to play this forever. They are so happy that a genuine celebrity was at their show. And having a good time and battered. <laughs> it's it's just uh <laughs> He's just so excited to be like like uh, I mean they're so excited that someone like of some level of renown showed up to their show they're they're gonna keep showing you that hey Burt Reynolds was here. We're with it. Even though this was not Burt's career peak by any means. They're using him as their key back to the mainstream. In these downward times, <laughs> and he's uh, very much is... connected to, um, he's he's very much connected to the wrestling that night, and he's connected to the bar as well, and it makes me very happy. <laughs> it's like... there, there is a lovely uh, degrees of separation, but to uh, for wrestling today between this episode and now, that was really bad English, but you got what I'm saying. There's a lovely degree of separation. <laughs> So, um, Burt Reynolds. I figured it out. Burt Reynolds mm. was in an episode of Archer, the TV show Archer, okay. as was Christian Slater. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Christian Slater, who is set to be one of the celebrities announcing the draft results on Fox tonight. Well, 
That's a very good one, but I can do you one better. Go on, then. Burt Reynolds was in both Longest Yard movies, and in the second one, so is Steve Austin, who did not appear on Raw at the <laughs> on the Fox premiere. <laughs> you... <laughs> can we just connect everybody to Steve Austin, and the connection being who was not at Fox for the premiere, as promised. <laughs> Let's see, I wasn't there, you weren't there, Brian Zane wasn't there, um, oh boy, uh, Barry Horowitz wasn't there. <laughs> Let's start with the Bs. Barry Horowitz, <laughs> Barry the Shark. Let's go to the Cs. Um, Mr. Burns. Um, Mr. Burns. Anybody that celebrated Burns Night? <laughs> Burns Night. In, nice. like, like, in 1901. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, okay, the name Burns, got it. <laughs> or anyone with Burns from 1901 Burns Night <laughs> Kane Kane was Kane there Kane wasn't there that works Thanks. we are currently listing people who weren't at the Friday Night Smackdown premiere Michael Cole oh I'm sorry I was listening to people who I wish weren't there <laughs> Martin Kirby <laughs> Session um... Moth Martina Nick Gage. Nick Gage. He should be on uh, SmackDown, Nick Gage. Why don't you Nick want to see like, Nick Gage for... Let's <laughs> just do Nick's now. Nick's. Uh, Nickelodeon. Nick Nolte. <laughs> Nick at night. Oh, Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're... It's Friday and we're punchy. I like this. I like that now we record it at this time on a Friday because like I've, I've had hardly any sleep this week and I'm in that lovely giddy headspace. And also, and it's, I'm not even drunk because I'm doing Sober October. So, like, this is how I am with all the alcohol leaving my body. I think I have to qualify. Like, oh, I'm not drunk, I promise. I, I sometimes feel like I need to. When people go, you're all right. I go, yeah, I'm not even drunk. Cause I'm <laughs> not even drunk this re- month yet. It's been 11 days. You're just very silly, that's all. I'm just silly. I'm not even drunk, mate. I'm well proud I've not drank for 11 days. Well, let's steer back onto the road here. Even yes. though I... <laughs> Even though I don't want to for this match. Mike Dwayne Freeman wasn't at SmackDown. Uh, he, he might have been. You don't know. He might have. Keep... Eric Cody wasn't. They had Dwayne the Clown versus Eric Cody. And if you, this is my first time seeing Eric Cody, at least in years. He, he looks like basically Jimmy Del Rey with a few years of ring rust. Wearing wearing basically technical gear as well. Yes, he's a very unusual looking man. But I think they bring in pre- prelims on the basis of being weird looking. I like how you just go, very unusual looking man. <laughs> oh, he's, he, he's non-standard. He stands out. This whole match, I think you need to adjust the contrast on your TV for, because this is very colourful. Yeah, this is um, this is very palatish. Dwayne goes to ringside before the match. He's, he's making his rounds around the ring, and he squirts DiBiase with a squirt flower. you think that would lead to a feud, but no. They love doing this at the moment, don't they? They love just going, oh, let's just have these two interact. Are they going to feud? No, no, not really. This is the throwing you-know-what at the wall to see if it sticks error. Yeah, yeah, very true. Cornette gets a funny rant here about how it's assault with a deadly weapon because that flower could have New York City water in it, which is contaminated. (laughs) Because Cornette dares make this show interesting and entertaining. We have a ton of Clinton jokes on this show. Vince could not stop making fun of Bill and Hillary Clinton. And then they throw in Roger Clinton, Bill's brother. 
who had gotten married apparently. Like there's just it's just a nonstop barrage of making fun of the 42nd president of the United States and and his entire family. Yeah, they which, do give him a couple of digs, don't they? A couple more, more than a couple. <laughs> and what's weird is Cornette, who's who we know today as being a very liberal person, he's ripping on the Clintons, and later on the show he puts over Rush Limbaugh. Oh, <laughs> the Limbaugh stuff made me die. That was funny. They're really, that really fun. up for Limbaugh, weren't they? Yeah, we'll revisit that, but you can tell that Cornette, especially especially knowing now what we know about him, this is firm kayfabe here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Cornette today would go off on Limbaugh like, this mutter! Like, like, like goddamn goofball mud show outlaw mud... Uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> Full-on podcast, Jim Cornette on commentary. I think that that the world needs that. <laughs> well, we need either a mute button or just me to have free reign over what I can say. Somebody sent me a message the other day after watching. I was on Straight to Hell with Ross on the Cultaholic YouTube channel, and one mm-hmm. of my uh, one of my things going straight to hell was Jim Cornette snitches. And somebody messaged me saying, "Oh, you don't want to try and get heat with Jim Cornette," and I was like, "Well, no, I've got no issue with Jim Cornette." At all. Like, Jim Cornette is allowed to, like, as we all are, allowed an opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, sure. and it's and that's the glory of wrestling. And we can't we can't claim that stuff's allowed, we're allowed to, to like who we like and then shut down somebody else that likes what they like because that's not how sure. that works. My, only, my, my issue is, is with the people that see something that they know Jim Cornette won't like and they tag him and go, oh, look at this, Jim. Look at this person being stupid, Jim. Orange Cassidy, Jim. Look at this, Jim. I hate that. What, what dullards you are. If you're one of those people that tags Jim Cornette when you see something that you know he won't like just to get a rise out of him, right? I'm sorry, mate. Mm-hmm. You're a dullard. Sorry, but you are a dullard. I don't want to go off on some big, you know, end all be all rant here, but I'll just say that I don't remember who said this years ago, but they were right. We don't need Big Brother. We are Big Brother. Oh. We all rat each other out. It's true. It's true. We're all grasses. We all contribute to this Orwellian notion that you know someone's gonna be overseeing us well we oversee each other and the results are not always good no no that's that's where cancel culture comes from which some cases is is required but not all um it's where cancel culture comes from and and this whole thing about this whole thing of ratting on other people on twitter to other people ah, it's just dull you're a dullard if you do that don't do it thank you and speaking of people i want to cancel here's dink the clown (laughs) Doink has poor Eric Cody in a cross arm breaker, and Dink walks in and just walks across him twice, and and no DQ, because um you know it's silly. So you know Danny Davis, the most useless referee in the world, is not going to DQ Doink for this. Well, basically, Dan, well it's, it's it's that became a rule. That became that became the Danny Davis Dink the clown. That became the Dink the clown rule. They acted on that rule on the AEW premiere last Wednesday night when John Moxley turned up. It was the dink the, the dink the clown clause that allowed him to interfere in that match. Hi, Kenny. I'm a midget clown. <laughs> he got in the ring initially and they went, what are you doing? You can't interfere. And then he, he just put a load of doink makeup on. He went, oh, you dink the clown. Fair enough. Carry on. <laughs> Cornet goes on this hilarious rant after that because he's, he's mad about dink. He wants to beat him up. And he informs us, and I'm quoting here, I can whip any midget and anyone under the age of 12. <laughs> that was a belter of a line by Cornette. So a 14-year-old would give Cornette problems. <laughs> if, I was in, if, I, if I was in junior high and I, 
And I assume the fighting stance in front of Jimmy, he'd uh, he turn tail and run then. But Apparently if I was 11, so. then I'd be in trouble. Apparently if I was 11, so, that'd be a tennis racketing. <laughs> Doink pulls out a semi-bridging German suplex. And it's at this point that Vince, you can tell we're entering a new era for USA Network here, plugs the TV show Weird Science. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm, uh, I was a big fan of, of, uh, of that cheeky little plug for Weird Science. Did you ever actually see this version of Weird Science? Uh, I don't know if I did, actually. Of course I did, because they had an episode with King Kong Bundy in, in the WWF. Mm-hmm. I'll say is Vanessa Angel, where have you gone? Come back soon, please. Come back soon. I would be yes. remiss if I didn't, um, upon talking about Weird Science, give some love to my friend Dave Roberts, for whom we had a, a blissful, passionate nine months doing a podcast on the WWE version of ECW. That we called Weird Science. Weird Science. Exactly. Dun, 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 dun. And even that was even a version of that was our theme song, probably illegally. But uh, we had a lovely time <laughs> doing it. So big love to uh, my mate Dave Roberts, who now does a, a, a Let's Play series. He's been playing Kingdom Hearts, and it's been good fun to watch my boy Dave playing Kingdom Hearts. Big love to at Real Dave Roberts on Twitter. There you go. Give him a follow and tell him tell him Tom Campbell sent you. Yes, man. Yes, I'm gonna tell just how how deep our listenership is based on how many followers he gets in the next 24 hours. Yeah, so. this will be telling, won't it? At Real Dave That's Roberts. Good. Go see Dave. <laughs> Back to the match. Doink finishes with the whoopee cushion. We're still not into the flatulent sound yet, thankfully, although that's coming. Yeah, you've warned me of this. Yes, it's uh, it's inevitable. Oh, dear. Vince makes some more Clinton jokes. Cornette follows in kind. And then Vince demands that Cornette apologize for making Clinton jokes. Was Vince, Vince had forgotten he'd made all the gags about Clinton? It's like Vince Heimers. <laughs> we go to the Stan Lane voiceover again. Please order the replay. We're, we're it's going to do the lowest buy rate ever. Please help us out. I, I do, yeah, I'm just that's that's twice in like 15 minutes they've plugged this. Like the audience hasn't shifted that much, surely. Yeah, it's uh, Mania 10 was the least bought Mania ever until 11. And then until 12, and then until 13. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the lean years are coming, baby. The least bought mania ever had Brett versus Awesome. Is that ridiculous? I know. it's. And the most bought mania ever had Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus. <laughs> we, this is, wrestling is weird and will always be weird. Absolutely. It's, uh, nothing is consistent. But... Four guys we can always rely on are Jim Cornette, Johnny Polo, and the Quebecers. Cornette's doing an in-ring interview where he calls out Polo and the Quebecers, and Polo is wearing the greatest goddamn shirt in the history of shirts. Oh my gosh, you got so excited when you saw this that you messaged me immediately. And and that was a darn fine shirt this man was wearing. It is a mint green shirt as the base with a sort of flowery black magenta and white design on it he's carrying his polo club looks like he should be carrying a hash pipe instead (laughs) (laughs) there's a 50 50 chance he brought this from home and a 50 50 chance he bought it that day and no like saying you know what i'll bet this gets heat if i wear it tonight and i'm so glad he did (laughs) it is he should have worn that as raven you can imagine like like the tattered jorts, the leather jacket, and that shirt. You would have given him money. 
<laughs> he went outside for a, he went outside for a smoke before the show started. You'd have given him money. <laughs> it would have been his bonus for the night. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, they get they were getting like what twenty dollars to do Monday Night Raw at this point. I'm I'm sure I read in a in a previous report that they were getting like twenty twenty to thirty dollars to do episodes of Monday Night Raw. Well, it wasn't much. I'm Next to nothing. Sure the Undertaker for twenty dollars. God damn! <laughs> I can't even imagine. Oh my god! Like if if you wanted to turn up at your event and sniff, it's going to cost you the better part of thirty grand. But like the idea of saying, "Here's twenty bucks, Taker. Go out there and fight Demento." <laughs> Here's a hot dog and a handshake. Thank you. <laughs> I'll accept just the hot dog. <laughs> John, Undertaker, you... Undertaker eating a hot dog. <laughs> Undertaker eating a hot dog <laughs> at an indie show. So, and with the caption, Undertaker eats his fee. Yeah, he needs to have a new name because he can't be Undertaker. He's, he's got to be like Mark Death or something. There was a company based in Worcestershire that was promoting <laughs> um, the Grave Digger. <laughs> Let me guess. He was, he was like six three tops. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd have been very flattering. But he was in. He was. It was the grave digger facing his brother in a casket match. His brother, what, what, the big machine. I was, I, was, I was hoping his brother's name would be his brother. <laughs> I'm kind of sad that it wasn't. But honest to God, not even lying. There's a promotion based out of Worcestershire, and they ran the grave digger versus the big machine. It was a brother versus brother casket match. And wow, the pictures. If there's video of this anywhere, we need to have the Tom Campbell dub commentary a la Chris Bulls versus Cage Tyler. Biggin and Wigan too. <laughs> so anyway, so while you're searching for that, um, I don't know who's more tastefully dressed, Raven or the guy in the Dallas Cowboys jacket who's happily singing the Quebecers theme song in the crowd, <laughs> waving his arms as though he's like a maestro. But I think uh, I think the the guy in the crowd, and I'm with him minus the Cowboys jacket part. F the Cowboys. <laughs> Cornette shares a group hug with the happy threesome. And Pierre Pierre wants us all to note Viva le Quebec. And while they're talking for a bit, Captain Lou hits the ring at Captain Lou's speed. I like I love the stagger walk that Lou does. Where he has his hands out. He's kind of like shaking him a little bit. Yeah, he I looks a bit to... manic, doesn't he? I like that. Well, he is Captain Lou. Jacques calls him Captain Crunch, which made me laugh for some reason. I have no idea why. He was desperate to get that line in as well, which I thought was good. <laughs> yes, like he, he really shoehorned it in. He thought of it that morning, and God damn it, he was going to get it in. So Lou wants to know if the offer still stands. Like, if, if I got my tag team, are you going to fight my tag team? And they're like, he's like, yeah, go get your tag team. So Lou, you tell this is a different era because instead of just gesturing toward the entranceway with his hand or his arm, leaves the ring and starts walking up the aisle to go get them manually. He does. Nowadays he would, nowadays he would just point as though it, it were the WrestleMania sign or something. But he didn't but even get he, all the way back to get him, did they? Well, because he figured he, he, he's not very spry, so he's not going to get there in a flash. So let's just send him out there. We're, we're on a time budget here. And out come the head shrinkers and Alpha, and Polo is not happy. Quick shout out, best wishes to Samu, who recently had a 
surgery. He had some form of cancer. I'm trying to remember specifically what it was, but he had like a 13 hour procedure to have to have a transplant, and I hear he's doing better. So I believe there was a, a benefit show to him that, that some of the WWF lads went to to go and do. Well, that's good. To, good to hear. Hopefully he's hopefully he's feeling better as well. It's uh, stage four liver cancer. I believe he, I believe he had a transplant recently, according to him. His son Lance on uh, Facebook, and uh, hopefully he is doing well. And, and best wishes for his recovery. Yeah, big love to you, Samu. It was nice to see him in this bit, though. Yes, uh, especially uh, given uh, all the recent situations. And it occurs to me that Pierre Cornet and Samu have all been in MLW in like the last year and a half. Have they? I'm trying yes, to think they was... all have. Cornet, I think I did commentary very briefly for them. And I know PCO and Samu were both part of one of those, that one, what's called the Battle Riot, that that big Royal Rumble style match that they did. Oh, okay. So yes, they've all been there. This is 25 years ago. Yeah, this was a while back. Yeah, Polo is scared to death of the head shrinkers. And he's kind of looking going, these guys could beat us. I thought it was hilarious. It all high pitched and like I know it's, it's it's simple stuff like that that makes a team appear threatening, which I'm all for. There is that, but then Jacques, in a way, buries some other teams. Suddenly, like I was hoping to be like the Smoking Guns or Men on a Mission or the Bushwhackers, not these guys. Yeah, because the other teams all suck apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I like the nod to the Bushwhackers in this bit. And also the the nod to men on a mission or moms. Yes, <laughs> I was trying to what he was talking about at first. We're like not going to face drunk. moms. Is the Quebecers versus mothers against drunk driving? <laughs> we'll kick their asses. And Jacques just hit Beatrice in the head with a hockey stick. <laughs> like, what is this? Kevin Lou threatens to go to Jack Tunney if they try to renege on this, uh, on their accepted offer. So apparently the match is going to take place Quebecers versus the Head Shrinkers. And they, don't we'll confirm, get it, but... they don't confirm it, though, do they? No, it'll take a little bit of time, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether or not they actually said this match is definitely happening here, there, or everywhere, but that's certainly the next the next feud for uh, for the Quebecers, which I'm fine with. I think, as, you know what, you know, you're, you're playing with the cards that you've you've got. And uh, they're, they're, they're certainly one of the, the better tag teams that the WWF currently has. Well, it's it's their next feud, and it's their last feud. Oh. Just, just, just a heads up. Oh, bloody heck. Next week, Earthquake versus Adam Bomb. Proper. Not not the Mania Rush job. We're going to have a classic one-on-one match between the two. Which is which is nice. I like how they kind of build it as like he got the jump last time, but they're gonna have a match proper this time. Yeah, with a little bit more time and and the ten man tag as well. So we're gonna have a sort of a mania ten redux next week on the show. And this one's in the bag. One two three kid versus the Black Phantom in a match that would take place at the nineteen ninety nine Royal Rumble. And this was still Gangrel at this point, wasn't it? Correct. Yes. At one point, I paused this match because I, I saw that Jack Doan was the referee. I Google image search photos of Kid vs. or X-Pac versus Gangrel from the 99 Rumble just to see if Jack Doan was referee there, too. Sadly, it wasn't. It was Teddy Long. Oh. That would have been like the weirdest parallel ever. It would have been wonderful. 
less than five years later, these two were facing off at a pay-per-view for a belt that didn't even exist yet. Isn't that weird? And it's, I mean, it's two talented guys who definitely should have had jobs with the company at this point. I, I don't know why Gangrel wasn't hired. He had the body. He, he had the talent. He had everything you could need. He was married to Luna. Well, he's about to be married to Luna, actually. Did like, they just not did... believe the gimmick? Was it just a... Uh... Like they well, didn't was... believe in his character? Well, he was the vampire warrior on the indies at this point, which is the obviously a spiritual predecessor to Gangrel. So, I mean, he was he had the whole macabre thing going. He could have been... In this era, he, he, he was definitely a gimmick. I don't know why they didn't pick him up. It's kind of mystifying. Just seemed like a really obvious one. I know, he, he should have been, but whatever. Gangrel getting some badass-looking strikes in this match, putting some oomph in his punches. This is where Cornette puts over Rush Limbaugh big time, which is strange. And what is this? Is it during this match where Vincent Mann just just turns around and says, "Hey, uh, I just saw you up there with your jacket undone. When are you gonna lose some weight, Jim?" <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a bit offside. I think it was the next match actually, but yeah, Vince does fat shame Corny a little bit. <laughs> it was just a really uh, random um, stream of consciousness commentary from Vinnie Mac there. During this match, Kid gets this amazing spinning heel kick on 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 Gangrel. Like 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 the it's like the crook of his knee hit him like right across the face. It was beautiful. Nineteen ninety four Sean Waltman was something else. He was very good at this point. It was hard to deny just how great he was. He was tremendous, but although not as tremendous as today when he uh raises his hand and questions the finish of Hell in a Cell while on a WWE approved telecast. But you know what? I, what I love is when they played that, they they played it again, and they played it again, and then it turned up on the bump, which is WWE's new uh, chat show. Uh, I like the fact that they've just launched this new chat, this new chat show, uh, where it's like we're going to talk honestly about like what's going on in wrestling and stuff. And the, one of the first weeks of programming is, yeah, was the Hell in a Cell ending a bit crap? Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> crap. Well, yeah, here's Sean Waltman saying it's crap. What did you say? Th- and then one guy going, I thought it was all right. And then the other one going, Nah, mate, it was crap. <laughs> I love the brutal honesty of it. I think, but with that little WWE hue around it, I was, I was a fan. I was a fan. I love how he. he, he... Think about Sean Waltman. If you ever watch any of his shoot interviews, the man isn't capable of hiding how he feels about anything. No, he he he's just he, like he has to. Yes, he he, he, it's like holding in a piss. He has to let it out. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and he, and he prefaces what he says by saying, "You guys might not have me on here again," because like like even he's like he's trying to like bite his tongue, but he, God damn it, he just can't. And even he knows this might be politically incorrect to say and do so, he, he took then, a look but, around the room and he saw matt camp who's not long signed with the company doesn't want to mm-hmm. rock the boat he sees kayla braxton who knows to play the game he sees charlie caruso i think was in there as well and like she knows how to play the game and rightly so and a few other people are there and he's just like i'm just gonna say it come on <laughs> like, like somebody somebody has to it has to be said how in the hell do you do a DQ finish in hell in a friggin' cell? He's, he's, and Matt Camp's like, we don't know it was a DQ. <laughs> like he's oh, God love you, sh- Matt Camp. You've just started a new job, and they're just chucking you straight in the deep end, and you are rolling with the tide, mate. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Matt Camp did his best to be diplomatic, but Sean Waltman does not know the word diplomacy. 
I would have been Matt Camp that night. I I know we all would have gone, yeah, I'd have said it like it is. I'd have been like Sean Waltman. I'll be honest, I'd have been Matt Camp. I'd have just gone, uh, well, here's here's some reasoning. I would I would have done because I'm a I'm a gutless company guy. What can I tell you? <laughs> gutless I am. Completely gutless. I don't want to say gutless. Oh, I would. <laughs> Pens- pensive, sure, but gutless. <laughs> gutless company guy. Yeah, Vince. I, Vince says it was right, and I believe him. <laughs> I think no. I think Vince has got a point in in pushing only guys over six foot ten with 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 Herculean figures. I think there's something to that. <laughs> I really do. I do. I genuinely believe that Billy Gunn is the best pure athlete in the WWF. I do believe like, that. You're like the English Peter Rosenberg. I, but you know what? I'd, I'd <laughs> happily be the English Peter Rosenberg for, for WWF. Vince, I'm, I'm available, mate. Let's let's work together. <laughs> After Kid hit that spinning heel kick, Cornette exclaims, "This guy's breath must smell like kiwi shoe, kiwi boot polish." That was a great line, and I'm and I'm one that I am going to steal in commentary. Because Kid blasts him with that and gets his usual array of nifty aerial moves and kicks and stuff and finishes with the sideways moonsault. This match was like two minutes, but it was the best part of the show. It really was. This was this was the uh, the peak of the wrestling action from this particular evening for me. Because not, not only is it Sean Waltman at, as peak one, two, three kid, but it is Gangrel in his prime. He's in great shape here. He wrestled really well. Like It was a really good performance by him. Gangrel was always an underrated wrestler. It's just, I don't know why they didn't hire him. He was right there, right under their nose. His spouse worked for the company. They obviously just thought, oh, he's just a guy under a mask. We can't do anything with that. They must have just had no faith in in, in, in his longevity. Four years later, he debuts the best entrance in wrestling history. Imagine him doing that at Raw, like in 94. That would have blown everybody's mind. God, he'd have been, he'd have been in the main event every week. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that was good stuff. Apparently, the theme music is based on somebody having an asthma attack in the next room. <laughs> That's what I thought. I always thought it was that. <laughs> Did you quick tweet call a doctor? No, wait. Let me write this down. <laughs> oh, crap. It's a vampire. <laughs> of course, if Gangrel had debuted then, he'd be called like David the Vampire or something. Yeah, he would have been oh, <laughs> Doink the Clown versus David the Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Don't screw with David the Vampire. He will bite you. Big Dave the Vampire. We get the personal call ad, which I'm hoping David the Vampire would be a part of. But a loss, no. You have I to choose know. <laughs> Imagine they just cut to him and there he is. <laughs> hey, congratulations on your acquittal. It spits <laughs> blood across the room. <laughs> Still haven't had my call, by the way. Still waiting on the chat where the with, with my favorite wrestlers that you booked for me. Oh, well, you gotta remember, I'm cheap. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm gutless <laughs> and you're cheap. We come to the main event, which is Crush versus Ray Hudson. Oh, Hudson. this is the main event we've all dreamed of. Instead of a wrestling match, it should have been a mullet off. <laughs> Crush and Fuge come to the ringside. Volkov's in the front row. Where Vince informs us, he's still wearing the same suit. Because yeah, Volkov's like, suit. Is, is that, is they just, they just, Giving him grief because he's got a familiar suit on. Well, there's that, but it's going to play into the upcoming storyline. Oh, okay, okay. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be a good storyline. I'm just saying it's going to play into the upcoming storyline. Right, okay, okay. 
<laughs> Ray Hudson has the most rednecky mullet ever, and Crush, of course, has his luxurious and luminous uh, Yarmir Yager blonde, blonde-haired special. Crush gets one of the coolest moves ever in this match. It's something that Sid used to do. And, and I'm going to pull a name out of, the, out of the hat here. Something that J.W. Storm would do in WCW. With the guys coming off the ropes, he grabs him by the throat and just, like, a catching chokeslam. Just like, up. And I quite like the swinging chokeslam thing. I popped up in, <laughs> I think it was WWF No Mercy on the N64, where that's the move <laughs> you do in the game. Oh, sweet. Which is quite nice. You just catch him on the rebound by the throat and just forcibly drop him to the ground. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. It's a good badass move. Mm-hmm. Crush assumes some martial arts stances, which I assume are legit. I know nothing of... Course of course it is. Well legit, mate. I, I know nothing of karate or any, any of the martial arts. I'm more of a catch-as-catch-can't guy. <laughs> I'm catch-as-catch-won't. <laughs> catch his catch better luck next time <laughs> catch his cat gonna have a little sleep now bye kind of an odd moment in this match where, where crush pulls hudson over the ropes and he does the randy savage jump over throat drop which makes it sound like you know he's caught he's saying a message to savage but the feud's over now yeah i thought whether they were going to reheat it whether it was going to be like a house show thing i don't know or whether it was just a case of i just want to do savage's move yeah, it just seems weird he's, he's paralleling one of Savage's trademark moves. But whatever. I mean, no one else really does that move. Yeah, it was an uh, odd decision to do. Good-looking super kick in this match from Crush. No thigh slap either. Just a just a big thrust to the face with the heel of the, sh- heel of the boot. Cornette talks about his, his old friend Stan Lane. No further context provided. Oh. This is where Vince starts to fat shame him. So after all these cool moves, the catching choke slam, the savage throat drop, the great super kick, what does Crush finish with? <laughs> I know what you're going to say. A sustained press slam followed by a sort of wonky looking knee drop. Now I looked at this, I rewound this a couple of times because I wasn't sure whether it was a really ropey knee drop or a really quick sharp fist drop. And <laughs> it is just a really wobbly knee drop. It was the five knuckle shuffle, <laughs> without any of the shuffle and none of the knuckle. <laughs> uh, it was it was a falling knee. It was just like, and what 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 was wrestling thinking? When all as you say, you run through that litany of great moves that Chris does. Of all the moves, why is that the daddy that ends the? Why is that the match where Hudson yields? Oh no, he's put a knee in my head. Well, I'm off to sleep now. I've survived like a- everything else. It was like a Benjamin Button match where age in reverse. You know how uh, Kenny Omega does the V trigger? Yes. This is the man trigger. <laughs> As, this is this is the hair trigger. <laughs> These both men have great hair. This is the, I hope this move does come back. I hope this I hope this becomes one of those moves that just looks rubbish, but that but just has this build of oh my god, it's deadly. Like. I know, I'm not saying it looks rubbish, but this could be Crush's Judas effect in the sense of it's a real basic move that suddenly has become uber deadly. Shuck a bra to the Judas in my mind, bra. <laughs> I want, yes, I want, this, I want video package showcasing Crush going to deep, dark Japan to go into like a, 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 a training dojo where he learned all these tricks from this master and eventually he went, I'm going to teach you one move. 
that I've never taught any of my students and you must not teach anybody else and he teaches him the falling knee <laughs> it's like this move you must only use at your absolute desperation <laughs> it's my finisher now bro yeah, Fuji's Mr. Miyagi <laughs> do you know who does I, I don't know why that, that reminded me but Volta and Kushida from NXT this week I've realised that Volta's got a similar weapon to the falling knee uh, in his collection, which is the lariat. And I, what I love about the evolution of Volta's lariats is the two times he's done it, he's only done it when everything else has failed. Well, Where he's simple... gone, this is like, the, I, uh, my power bomb hasn't worked, all this hasn't worked, right, lariat, bang. And the moment the lariat hits, one, two, three, they're done. Seems weird, though. Like, you should just start off with the lariat because if it's so deadly, you just went with it then. Well, that's it. It's almost like a reluctance to, to do it initially, but I feel like he only busts it out when it's absolutely necessary. It's like, oh, I have elbow bursitis, but damn it, I got to do this. <laughs> I just, I need to go through the whole process of the match first. And I won't crush his falling knee to become that, where, like, everyone's frightened of him dropping the falling knee. And, and the outlawed in Memphis... <laughs> yeah, there's certain states in America where he's not allowed to do the falling knee. <laughs> it's, it's so deadly. It's so deadly, man. What he does, he puts arsenic on his knee pad, and he hits a guy in the face with it. And, well, it's lethal. They die slowly over three months. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the main event. <laughs> it was one hell of a main event as well. That's a WrestleMania should end with a knee drop. Oh. Do you know what's great about this whole show? Was no. The f- exactly right <laughs> exactly this was such a middle of the road episode of monday night raw yet this is the week they decide do you know how we're going to end raw with a sizzle reel <laughs> yes before that we plug the match for next week it's the 10-man tag quake versus bomb razor's going to be in action so is yokozuna and then they play a 30 second music video of just highlights from this, this is what show. we have this is what happened this week what a night in case you fell asleep, here's what you missed. <laughs> I love this. This was this was like you had such a middle of the road show, but we're getting a highlight reel. All right, mate, sure. Six years before uh, my way by Limp Bizkit, which would have been the, the, the perfect accompaniment. I mean, this or my that or my sacrifice by Creed. One day I'm gonna hit my knee, and you're never gonna go anywhere again because you're gonna be dead. My knee or the highway. <laughs> Shaka I'm going to hit you with my knee. My knee. <laughs> John, can you please make the video to my way featuring Crush? He's going to kill John. It's fine. He, he can sleep later. Um, what's, Spike, what's Spike Jones? What are you trying to do? <laughs> he's fine. John will be all right. Uh, John, the entire my way video. <laughs> just, but with Crush's knee drop from different angles. <laughs> Or just crushing Ray Hudson and having a stare down. That'll do fine. That'll do fine. I believe we have asked John before to make a My Way video for two uh, very average wrestlers. So I think he's probably got the template still. John, we need to make a Ken Burns documentary on the (laughs) de-evolution of Monday Night Raw in this first year and a half. Uh, With a dragon. Yes. In each scene. The The dragon was his downfall. It's symbolic. The dragon's a talking head. Yes, it's David Byrne. And, and we'll and we'll call it WWE Chronicle Burns. <laughs> so that ends that show for this week. That was, you know what? It was, 
it, we really pushed through that. Uh, that was that was a very there was a, there was a couple of bits in there that we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There was some good b- bits in there, like the Owen Hart evolution is something that I'm really enjoying to watch. <laughs> and Kid versus Phantom was really good. Kid and Phantom was a strong match as well. Everything else was just there, just ticked well, along. Well, Cornell on commentary is always a treat. Actually, you know what? Yeah, yeah, Big Jimmy C was always he's, he was in fine form for NWA Power, and he was in fine form for this one as well so that'll do it for this week next week big as we say big 10 man tag and uh and joe next week i think will be a much better week i'm, I'm hoping so i'm not sure who the commentating commentator is because i haven't looked it up hopefully it's nah, funny again i quite like i quite like watching these fresh i'm quite excited to sit down and watch this one fresh next week that'll be very nice and it turns out it's ray hudson oh mate one can dream one can after dream. his brush with death last week <laughs> uh on the cultaholic podcast stream Tomorrow night, a brand new episode of Wrestling Curiosities. Get this, Justin. Get this, right? Mm-hmm. The the first fixed wrestling match. Really? Mm-hmm. That's our subject for tomorrow, and it goes all the way back to, like, 131 AD. So is Ric Flair versus somebody? <laughs> he just got out of the helicopter crash. He was doing great. Um <laughs> Or the plane crash, rather. It was it was an aerial crash. It's still a it's still a bad taste joke. Uh, that'll be on the Coltolly podcast stream uh, later on uh, this weekend. In fact, tomorrow night. Uh, Justin, doing anything nice this weekend, sir? I'm watching football. Excellent. Go Braves. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I just don't know. First team I've pulled out my head. Well, they're a baseball team and they've been eliminated, but <laughs> well, even well, all the more so they could do with the encouragement. Go Braves. They're probably, feeling pretty, they're probably feeling pretty down about themselves at the moment. <laughs> Go Braves. It's always next year. So you watching football? Yes. We'll have a lovely time watching football, my friend. I shall. What are you doing this weekend? This weekend, uh, my good lady is out of town this weekend. So I am doing what all self-respecting bachelors do. And the good lady's out of town. I'm... Uh, Getting in the shower and having a cry. Uh, that's going to be my weekend, uh, mainly. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't need a shower. He is at JRH writing on Twitter. <laughs> I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, united, we are not divided. We are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Please drop us a line, drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear from you out of hours. Don't forget to join us. I love you. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.